This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 4, Episode 31. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 31 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funyhatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funyhatton. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So today we have the opportunity to talk with Patrick Cook-Deegan, founder and director of Project Wayfinder, started at Stanford's D School and now in its third year of operation. And we originally came across Patrick as part of our uh, Shift Your Paradigm podcast and research with the Education Reimagined Pioneering. So I'm looking forward to learning more about Project Wayfinder. A little to get us started, its mission is to inspire the next generation to become intentional meaning makers empowered to contribute to the world around them. They've created a year-long curriculum to help students find meaning and purpose, and that curriculum is now being piloted with 4,000 students at 25 high school and after-school programs across the globe. At Project Wayfinder, there's a belief that school has the possibility to be a transformative and profound experience for young people that sparks their passion and curiosity. To create such an exciting experience, these schools will need to nurture a sense of meaningfulness and emphasize why life is valuable. So it sounds like Project Wayfinder is really a powerful contribution in reimagining adolescent education. And a little bit about Patrick, our guest today. He's a director and lead navigator for Project Wayfinder, a leader in purpose learning, meaning-making education, and reimagining high school for the 21st century. In 2015-16, Patrick was an Education Innovation Fellow at Stanford's D School, where he came into the fellowship with a question, how do we help adolescents craft meaningful lives and develop a sense of purpose? A year later, Project Wayfinder was born. And uh, quite a learner-centered question that is, and I think that's what brought us uh, to cross paths here with Patrick and Project Wayfinder. So welcome to the show, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Awesome. We look forward to this conversation because, like Lynn said, I think uh, earlier, we're very much uh, engaged in learner-centered education, trying to, in our roles as superintendent and assistant superintendent, uh, transform a school district here. And so running across your your project Wayfinder and your materials and ideas uh, is just very exciting. So let's start our conversation by learning a little bit more about Project Wayfinder. How did this thing get started? What, what is your work and why is it important for those who are in education to uh, learn more about it? Well, the project was really born out of my own high school experience. And I graduated from a big traditional public high school in Annapolis, Maryland. 
Um, and, you know, for the most part, I enjoyed high school. I played a lot of sports and it was fun, but it didn't really answer the deeper questions that I had um, at the time. And I would say since I've been a sophomore in high school, I've wondered how could we make high school more meaningful, more purposeful for students? You know, how can we engage them at the deep level that adolescents are fundamentally asking of themselves? And my high school experience, those questions weren't answered. And if you look at, you know, a poll of high school students that was done, 22,000 high school students across the country, the three words they use the most to describe their experience is tired, stressed, and bored. So we're clearly not doing a job, a good job at engaging them at the level that I think we can. So this morning, uh, we had a group of high school students that we talk with on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, some really inspiring conversation. And I think we left there. And one of the things I said to Lynn was, you know, it's, it's amazing what you learn when you listen to kids. And, uh, I think we can listen more, uh, to our learners and, uh, use that to help to inspire them towards, uh, making, uh, the high school education more meaningful. Yeah. And, and that is a critical part of how we design project wayfinder. So, I've been a high school educator for over a decade, and my fundamental question has been, how do we wake students up? How do we help them live lives of purpose? Mm -hmm. How do we help them craft their own lives? And I came to the Stanford D School with kind of all the ingredients for a meal, and I knew what the meal wanted to taste like, but I didn't know what the meal would actually be. And so this year at Stanford, you use the design thinking process to come up with what is now Project Wayfinder. And one of the first things that we did is interview students. We interviewed 20 students for one to three hours. And we asked them, you know, what, what would you like to see high school go differently? What questions are, do you have that high school isn't addressing? And so most things in education that are changed happen with a bunch of adults in a room sitting down. And the design thinking process and how Project Wayfinder was born is actually started by talking to students mm -hmm. and then moving from there. So the importance of that student voice. Yeah, and, and that's fundamental in the shaping of it. And throughout the year at Project Wayfinder, we spent a year prototyping activities, talking to students, talking to teachers. And we wanted to figure out how do we fill what we call the meaning gap in high school education and particularly the home for that in most high school education is an advisory mm -hmm. where I've taught, you know, at six different high schools and a lot of different advisories. And I hadn't seen a fully formed advisory curriculum that answers these deeper questions well that wasn't homegrown. And so the intention of it was to fill time and space in advisory with a deep, meaningful, purposeful curriculum. And so that's what we've tried to build over the last two years. Hmm. We're just making so many connections to the conversation we had with learners this this uh, morning with talking about advisory. And actually, one of the things they said was, if it's not meaningful, it's going to be a joke. And um, I'm just thinking about what you've said in your different experiences um, in multiple high schools. And the kids know that pretty quickly, I guess. Yeah, I, I love working with teenagers mm -hmm. because there's a no BS meeting. Right? <laughs> you, walk, you walk in the room and you instantly can tell whether you have their attention, whether mm -hmm. it's working, whether it's not. 
And, you know, I remember one story, I went to a fancy boarding school to observe their advisory in New England. And if you looked around the room, it looks like they were sleeping, they were tired, Oy. no one was engaged. You know, if, if someone came from the outside perspective, you it's very clear they're wasting their time. Mm -hmm. And yet people run through the motions, they do it. And I've seen this over and over where students want to be engaged. And at the retreats that I've run, the mindfulness retreats, we sit students down in small groups and, you know, we ask them hard, deep questions that are pretty intimate. And if you create a good space for that, and if you as the teacher or mentor also answer the questions, then there's a lot of richness that can happen for that. And that's what we try and model and do at Project Wayfinder. Mm -hmm. So you've published um, many resources, and we've linked some in the show notes. But one resource you published in 2016 was an article in the Stanford Social Innovation Review. And in that article, you advocate for the redesign of high school experience by bringing back the why. Um, you identify six actions that we can take to design new learning environments. Can you share some of those ideas for our listeners here today? Yeah, I'll share three of them that I've been thinking about the most recently. The first one is redesigning the school day. So right now, students wake up way too early, they sit down way too much, and they are delivered too much content in a day. And the school day isn't designed at all around how we know teenagers learn. So I think there needs to be a radical shift in designing our school day and the learning uh, classrooms that students have. So if you look at the neuroscience that's been developed the last 20 years on adolescence, the way we've designed the school day is almost inverse to how you would do it based on what we know about how students mm -hmm. learn. So that's a huge thing. You know, students are going to school tired most of the time. And you and I both know when you're really tired, it's not the best time to learn. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I'm pretty passionate about. The second is changing the traditional role of teacher. So how we've defined it now is that I'm a teacher, I'm a content deliverer, and you're the student, you receive the content. And, you know, if you ask anyone who's the most important person from your high school experience, they're probably going to tell you someone they had a deep relationship with, someone that asked them questions about their life, someone that cared about them. And it's not to say that content isn't important, but it is. But I think we've overemphasized that relative to the relational coaching mentoring aspect of being uh, an adult working with an adolescent. Um, and the, the third part that I think is important is getting students outside the classroom. So, you know, I worked at MetWest, which is a part of the big picture learning network um, that started in Providence at Brown and I taught in Oakland. And part of their design is getting students out doing internships into the community. And I saw the power of that. And, but at most high schools, students are literally confined inside the school the vast majority of the time. Mm -hmm. So at my high school, you couldn't even go outside during lunch. You know? But then students graduate, and they're either going to get a job, go hang out at their house, or go to college. And they're in a, you know, a wide open wilderness. And so we go from this very constrictive stay at school, follow the rules, and then all of a sudden you're let out. And you have so many skills and things to navigate that you haven't been taught how to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, um, Randy and I have an intern in our office this year, and we often reflect on how many of those 
skills we are teaching him. Like, what is what does it mean when you leave one building and drive to the other building? And what if you're not going to be there? And what do you need to do um, when you get into the office? And, you know, how do you greet people? So I'm making that personal connection to seeing a real gap in skills for our learners interacting with adults in a different setting. In, in the, you know, the coming century, what could be called soft skills or mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of bad names for them. But, you know, I was just reading an article last night that listed the most important skills that Google found in its employees. They did two huge studies and the least important one was the hard technical skills. Mm-hmm. The more important was communication, empathy. And they found that actually the most important one was creating a safe emotional space for teams so that they had a chance to communicate and share and mess up. And so what we're trying to do in Wayfinders Advisory or program is create a safe, intimate place for students to share. And you all know from working on teams like I do that if you don't trust your teammates or you don't feel good around them, you're probably not going to give your best. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what we're not teaching our students is actually going to be the most thi- the things that they need most to thrive in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. The most valued Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple connections that I'm making, just those, um, when you talked about redesigning the school day, I think us as school leaders can just keep those things in mind that too early, too much sitting, too much content. And just if we took those three things in mind, how much, um, change we could possibly make. And then connecting the too much content to your, your second point there about, um, changing the traditional role of the teacher, more focused on the relationship and, and, I'll say less on content just because I think it should be less content, um, which very much mirrors our conversation that we have with kids this morning. Um, the idea that they they find that their teachers focus a lot on content and that there are some kids that are maybe falling through the cracks in, in terms of the relationship piece. And do, does every kid have at least one adult that they can go to and have a good relationship that they can have um, conversations around life um, with. So, so definitely lots of connections that we're making to the things that you're sharing here. Uh, I remember one retreat I did. So I used to teach mindfulness retreats to teenagers. And one of the first ones I went to, there was a young recent immigrant, uh, from Mali, who was at a public school, Rockville, Maryland. And we did a three day retreat. So you get them in a small group, you practice mindfulness, you get them in a small group, you talk about what's going on in their life. And it's a short amount of time, but by Sunday at our final closing session, he was crying, he was hugging everyone. And he said, you know, I've learned more in the last three days than I have in the last two years Mm -hmm. of coming to the U.S. and being at a high school. And I remember it so clearly because he said, no one at my high school knows who I am. Mm -hmm. And all of the instructors here felt like they cared about me and know who I am. You know, and so one of the other points I make in that article is that students need to feel like they matter and students need to have relationships with adults. And so the studies I've said read that less than 50% of high school students feel like they have a meaningful relationship with an adult at their school. <laughs> and to me, that's a, it's a huge gap. And it's very common sense. It's like if you don't have a good relationship with your parent or you don't have a good relationship with your employer, chances that you love like working for that employer probably aren't that high. You know, so we're really missing the gap on forming deep relationships and, you know, basically taking care of our students at an emotional and personal level. 
So you mentioned earlier uh, that I think you worked at Big Picture, a Big Picture Learning School. Yeah, I worked at uh, MetWest in Oakland. Uh, I taught mindfulness there for two years, and I'd been introduced to the Met because it was founded at, at in Providence, and there's a lot of Laotian and Cambodian students that go there. And I spent five years uh, living in Southeast Asia off and on and rode my bike through Southeast Asia about 3,000 miles one summer. And so I'd had a deep interest in that. And the big picture learning schools and expeditionary learning schools are two of my favorite models of high schools. Yeah, and our connection there is um, we've we've had some conversations with uh, the co-presidents, Carlos and Andrew, and from our couple conversations with them, really understanding how to distinguish this idea of relationships. It just it looks very different in a big picture learning school than it does in I think more traditional schools. So making that connection to the work that you're doing around this idea of building relationships, um, adults and kids. Um, and, and that connection to the big picture learning conversations that we've had earlier. At the big picture learning schools, they have advisory for mm-hmm. it's an integral part of the school and the advisors stay with them for two years. So you have one adult and 20 students uh, for two years. So there's in almost all cases that I saw one, if not two or three or four adults on the campus that really know what's going on in a student's life. And I had a lot of mentees there, and, and one of whom, Jason, um, a young man that I mentored for two years, he came on our mindfulness retreats, and I got to know him in a way that would have been that no one knew me at my high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I would see him outside of school. We'd go out to lunch. I'd ask him, what are your dreams? What can you do? And ended up connecting him to a few different opportunities that he took up. And that's much more how the real world works is you meet someone, you hang out with them, you form a relationship, they introduce you to someone. And so the, a lot of the life skills he learned in that situation put him on such a path ahead of some of his peers that are leaving high school and don't know how to advocate for themselves uh, in the same way. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about how um, Project Wayfinder works with schools and leaders and learners to help teachers and students develop that meaning and purpose? So we've developed a year-long curriculum that's mostly used in advisory, sometimes in after-school settings, sometimes it's integrated into other classes. It's built around helping students have a sense of purpose. And by definition, according to Bill Damon, the director of Stanford Center on Adolescence, he defines purpose in two parts. So part one is that it's meaningful to the self. And part two is that it's consequential and in a good way for the world. So for something to be purposeful, it has to mean something to you and do something good in the world. And so our curriculum is scaffolded around that. So the first part focuses on developing self-awareness. The second part focuses on developing awareness of what's going on in your community and the world. And then the third part is a capstone project where we call it a purpose project where students bring that together. So there's these pieces that require some independent work, but all connect to sort of see the big picture. Yeah. So one example, a framework we use a lot is called the purpose compass, and it has three components. One is what's a need in the world. The second is what are my skills that I have or want to learn? And the third is what do I love to do? And this is one of our signature curriculum pieces, and it's born out of 
Bill Damon's research, but it's also born out of personal experience. So when I was 19 or 20, I traveled around the world and I would say this was the launch of my own purpose journey. And I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia in villages in Laos where there was no running water and no schools. And so I came back to the US and I wanted to do something about it. And so I thought about what's a need that I saw that I care about. And I was like, oh, a need is that people don't have schools and they should. What's a skill I have? I am pretty good at talking to people and think I might be good at fundraising. What's a thing I love to do? Going on crazy adventures. <laughs> so I put those three together and came up with this project called Cycle for Schools and ended up riding about 2,800 miles by myself through Southeast Asia and raising uh, enough money to build a school in Laos and provide two K-12 scholarships for hmm. young women. And so I use that as an example of when you put those three together, that was what I call my first purpose project. And the feeling that you get from that project shows that you can do it and then gives you confidence to do your next project. Mm -hmm. So what are some examples of Project Wayfinder in action? Could you share some stories, maybe from some of the schools that you've worked with? And what are some of the challenges that schools find implementing such a program? Yeah, yeah so one story comes to mind, actually, with the Purpose Compass. We had a teacher training last summer and at, our, at Stanford, and one of the parts of the teacher training is that we bring in outside students for the teachers to practice um, our activities on. So we brought in some local students from the Bay Area and a Australian teacher, Brent, did the purpose compass with this young woman who was interested in social justice and also creative design. She didn't really know how to put them together. And so with the purpose compass, she figured out a need in the world was supporting social justice causes. A skill that she had was design and what she loved to do was uh, bring them together. And so she ended up creating this t-shirt company um, that has like social justice based t-shirts on them and then sells them and uses the proceeds to donate to certain causes. So that's like a very clear outcome of doing this activity, propelling a project and then having a real world outcome. Mm -hmm. um, one other story that comes to mind, we just visited our, some of our pilot partner schools in uh, Michigan last week. And we, we did some focus group roundtable discussions and two young women talked a lot about their increased role that gratitude has played in their life. So a lot of our curriculum um, focuses on developing and feeling a sense of gratitude. And research by Kendall Cotton Bronk out of Claremont Graduate Institute shows that purpose and gratitude kind of go hand in hand. And so we, we have an exercise called Gratitude Island where students think about what are they grateful for in their life that's obvious? And what are they grateful for in their life that's less obvious? Hmm. And students walk out, of, one woman said, I walk out of the classroom and want to hug everyone and tell them that they play a role in my life. <laughs> and so you have these external projects, and then you have these internal projects and change. And the real, like, I think of what purpose education does is it's a bridge between project-based learning and social-emotional learning. And it's the connective tissue between the inner world and the outer world. And I think purpose education is the next big wave in education because people want to connect these and students want more purpose and teachers want more real life projects that students feel connected to, not doing them just for the sake of doing them. Mm -hmm. 
So how about um, challenges that you've observed along the way? Well, there's no challenges. It's all going perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, just kidding. Um, I mean, there's a lot of challenges. The first one that comes to mind is how we engage our teachers throughout the year, right? So how you become a Wayfinder school is that you either come to one of our summer institutes, get trained by us, take it back and do it in your classroom, or we come and train a set number of teachers at your school. So right now we have 4,000 students at 25 sites around the world using this curriculum. And at a, at a huge variety of schools. So we have private Islamic schools, big traditional public schools in Virginia Beach, an after-school uh, program for Korean students in New York. So one of the challenges is how you make the curriculum fit to all these different populations. Um, so I would say that's one challenge. And another challenge is, you know, you're walking a tightrope where on one side you make it too universal and bland. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you make it too culturally specific, so it can't reach different students from different backgrounds. So I would say that's one of the tightropes that we walk on. Hmm. And, you know, one of the other challenges is that, you know, our schools now, I think we're in five different countries already, and next year we'll probably be in 12. Wow. Is, is how do we support teachers from afar? What do they need? Um, so those are questions that we're asking right now. So a lot of the same challenges of um, shifting and altering any aspect of the education system now that we're, we're all bumping up against. So make some connections there as well. So what's, what's next for you, Patrick? What are you working on? And uh, is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners to wrap this up? Uh, right now, you know, we're in the process of expanding. So right now we have 4,000 students in 25 schools. I think next year we'll have 50 to 60 and we'll have our first set of universities. So we're expanding. Uh, Brown will be piloting with us. Stanford will be a few other universities around the world. So I'm excited to see our growth. We're adding another year to the curriculum. Um, and next year, you know, this year we called it our pilot year. And next year we call it our big bang year, where we're going to roll out our curriculum in a more full way. And next year, I think we'll have around 500 teachers, 10,000 students in 50 to 60 sites in, in 10 countries. So I'm excited to see how it works at the university level, how year two of our curriculum works, and you know what challenges come up that we need to deal with in a good way. So what are, what are the results of scaling up? Interesting. That's quite a jump, too, from where you are now to where you anticipate being next year. Yeah, it'll be a big one, but we you know we have the team in place and we're hiring a lot of, we, we're hiring basically a person every two weeks now with our team. So I think we have the team to do it. I just want to do it as well as possible. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about your Summer Institute? Yeah, so I the Summer Institutes, we're going to have two this summer. One is at Brown, one is at Stanford. They're each four days long. Uh, schools send one to four teachers to the summer institutes. And the idea is we run through some of the high level pieces of our curriculum. We practice it. You get introduced to the culture of Project Wayfinder, what we stand for. And then after that, you go back and teach it to your students. Um, so the goal of the summer institute is to make you feel equipped to be able to bring it back to your students. Um, and last year, we had two summer institutes and you know they're supposed to be a how-to 
but they're also supposed to be powerful experiences for teachers to start embodying having more purpose and meaning in their own life. And a lot of teachers walked away saying it was a pretty transformative experience in their own view of what it means to be an educator. And where might people find out more about the Institute? If you go to projectwayfinder.com and look up Summer Institutes, there's all the information right there. All right. And we'll put that link in the show notes Mm -hmm. as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Patrick. For our listeners to learn more about Patrick's work, you can visit the Project Wayfinder website, check them out on Twitter, take a look at Patrick's um, blog at patrickcookdegan.com, and also check out the book um, with a published chapter, Purpose Rising. I actually just ordered that the other day, so I will definitely (laughs) check that out. All right. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. All right. Thank you for having me. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how might Project Wayfinder support your work in reimagining the high school experience and developing purposeful students? If you've enjoyed the episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 4, Episode 31. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Bye-bye. Thank you. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.